Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Ad Valued Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Get a dose of hope.com. I'm so grateful for today's guest, Zach White. Zach is a widely regarded coach known for changing the game in engineering. He has worked with hundreds of engineering leaders from top technology companies, including Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google. Zach is the founder and CEO of Oasis of Courage, known as OACO, a fast growing company with unique and proven coaching programs exclusively for engineers. He also hosts a top-rated show, The Happy Engineer Podcast, where listeners discover the steps to engineering success through expert interviews and Zach's own transformational framework, The Lifestyle Engineering Blueprint. Zach White and Robert discuss the challenges of burnout. Zach used his own experience to figure out his purpose, and now he serves those he loves, engineers who need a place of support, an oasis to give them the courage to protect themselves. Zach has grown a love for life and has created tools to support his fellow engineers in protecting themselves. Zach reminds us that burnout is not caused by what you are doing. It is caused by what you are not. Zach, the happy engineer. I'm so excited to have you today. Oh, Robert, I'm feeling happy today. It's so good to be with you. I love the smiling entrepreneur coach uh, that, that you got in your subtitle there. And this is amazing. Thanks for the invite. Well, you know, it, it kind of came about, I guess, a little bit because of you and, and Laban and Laban's talking about world's best. And, and I just could never get myself to to world's best didn't ever feel right for me. But everywhere I was going, networking events and and uh, even this book launch we just recently did, everybody's like, man, you just smile all the time. You're always smiling. And and so I said, you know what? I'm going to go with it. And so, so yeah, I just decided to, to make that part of the brand and That's I'm a smiling great. entrepreneur coach. And, and it really is my, my, my goal is to bring joy into entrepreneurs lives. And so if, uh, if, if that can focus my niche a little bit and, and really focus on, 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 on what I'm providing and how I'm serving people, then yeah, let's, you know, roll with it. Right. I love that. And you know, before we hit record today, Robert, we were talking about being a fighter pilot and jets. And ironically, my stepdad, his call sign, he's a, a retired naval avi aviator, flew F-14s. His call sign is smiles. And, nice. and he has the same thing, always smiling. Even when the, you know, the boss was chewing him out on the flight deck, he always had a smile on his face. And they're like, how can you be smiling when you're getting chewed out? And they just like, I don't know. It's always, I always smile. So so you and my dad are, are smiles today. I love that. I like it. All right. Well, Zach, typically I would just let each guest share their entrepreneurial journey and what led them into making the leap in entrepreneurship and how they're serving the world and making an impact. My entrepreneurial journey got a slow start. I'll be brutally honest. You know, I, I'm an engineer by training. So I went to Purdue, got my mechanical engineering degree, and I was one of those kids who great at math and science. My dad was an electrical engineer, Loved the idea of being an engineer from day one and no regrets. I still in my core have that engineering bone and I love it. But uh, while I was building my career, I stumbled into this world of entrepreneurship while I was getting my master's degree, also in mechanical engineering at U of M. They had this group called Empowered, where they you know, did entrepreneurial talks every week. And one of my best friends at the time, his name's Dave, he and I are actually business partners now in a private equity firm here in Southwest Michigan. But he was planting the seed in me back then. This was like 2011, 2010, 2011, you know, giving me books, 
give me you know, rich dad, poor dad, giving me all these little, little teasers about entrepreneurship. And I started to have that itch, this part of me that loved engineering and what I was doing in a big company. I worked at Whirlpool Corporation and had awesome opportunities. I mean, no, again, no hard feelings about my engineering days. But Robert, it was like a seed got planted and just always in the back of my mind, there was a part of me that wanted more, wanted to have this kind of adventure, this frontier pioneering kind of spirit that was back there and always fighting against this safe, secure, easy path of just building an engineering career. Not, not to say it's easy, but easier in some cases than going out on your own to sit and operate within a proven system and being in a business like Whirlpool. And that seed took almost a decade to, to, to flower. Okay. So, so for anybody listening, who's maybe not there yet, you're not in your entrepreneurial journey, but you want to be, it took me almost 10 years before I actually made the leap. And the, the transition was abrupt. I woke up one day, I was in a three day fast, which I do every quarter. You know, water only. It's a time of prayer, solitude, and silence for me that I take every quarter to just go get clarity, you know, get with the Lord and ask, you know, am I going the right direction? What do you have for my life? And I'm sitting there. It's the Saturday of my three-day fast, and I had this unbelievable download where the three parts of me that had previously been in conflict all collided, and it was like perfect clarity. So there was Zach the Engineer, Zach, the aspiring entrepreneur, and Zach, the coach, which, you know, we won't tell the whole story, but I had this part of me that loved coaching and really was into it, doing training and certifications and coaching. And they collided in this moment of clarity, say, oh my goodness, what if I start a business for the purpose of coaching engineers who've gone through the pain that I've gone through and want the success and the you know, the accolades and the titles and the promotions and the income and the impact of doing amazing engineering work, but they're stuck in all these ways that I've been stuck and overcome. They're, they need the support of a coach and things the company can't give them. That would be an amazing business. And I literally told Dave, my, my buddy I mentioned earlier, hey, I had this download and I think I'm quitting my job. I, I don't know how this is gonna happen, but I'm, I'm quitting my job, I know that much. And it was just a few months later, I walked out the doors of Whirlpool for the last time, started Oasis of Courage, uh, Awaco for short, my coaching company, and joined Dave in private equity as well at the same time. And the, the race into entrepreneurship began. And I will do it again in a heartbeat. It was the best decision I ever made. It just took a while to get there. So, so I'll, uh, I'll stop there, Robert. That's, that's the, how it <laughs> happened in a nutshell. Love it. I, I, I love, I mean, obviously the, the idea of seeds germinating and so many people on that entrepreneurial journey, even in the process, it's, it's sometimes frustrating to feel like you're doing the work you're doing, the, you're, you're doing what you need to do. In, in your case, the, the seed might've been, you know, doing what it would, it needed to do without you being aware of it. Um, but, but that germination, right. And you just don't know how long, you know, an idea takes to germinate. You don't know how long, an idea takes to come to fruition and generate revenue. And so, so germination is, is a really important understanding, right? Recognize, you know, do the work, but, but don't dig it up. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't dig up the seed to see if it's, yeah. it's going to push through. Right. And so I love that you use that, you know, that it took, it took 10 years to germinate, but that that's how long that idea needed <laughs> to be ready to sprout. I agree. And Robert, that's, it, it may not feel good to say this at times, but the truth is that's how long I needed to be ready, you know, as an individual entrepreneur and leader, you know, had I quit eight years sooner, I don't think I was in the place in my life where I would have been successful as an entrepreneur yet. And a lot of things happened that prepared me. So it was the seed of the idea that, you know, finally sprouted and became clear. But also, let's be honest, like Zach White wasn't ready for the journey two years out of college. And some people are. It's like, my path is my path. But 
Yeah, I definitely agree, man. The germination period is precious. Don't dig it up. That's that's a great motto. I'm writing that down. Don't dig it up. <laughs> All right. So now I want to dig into the company name. So so tell me tell me a little bit more about where the name came from, what the name means to you, and 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 what's your purpose behind what you're doing. Oweko, the oasis of courage. The name is very precious to me. Back in 2000, maybe 15, uh, 14, 15, I hired my first coach. And context is that I had just gone through a rock bottom time in my adult life. Divorced, depressed, embarrassed, nothing was working in my personal life. Uh, you know, career was okay, but it didn't matter because everything else was falling apart. And I hired my first coach and we went through some really transformational work, inner work in my own life that revolved around values and purpose. And I can't tell you how many times I'd read about or talked about core values or purpose before, but it didn't ever really click for me until that time working with my coach. And out of that work came my life purpose statement that I still hold to this day and haven't changed a single word. And it is that I am an oasis along life's journey that gives you courage to walk on. And that's been with me since that day. It's been inspiring me since that day. And the word encouragement is my favorite word in the English language. This is the idea, Robert, that we have the power within us to place courage into someone else, to encourage them, right? That's, the, that's what it means. To encourage someone is that transfer of courage from you to them, and for what purpose, right? It's so they can face fear and keep going, so that they can take their next step. You know, maybe it's a hug, maybe it's a smile, maybe it's a, a word of wisdom, whatever that is. And so when I was starting the business, and it was gonna revolve around coaching for engineering leaders, and I really asked myself, what's the problem that I wanna solve as an entrepreneur? And the problem is how burnout is caused in the workplace because fear is unchecked in the lives of professionals and engineers really suffer from this because of our personalities, our training, a lot of things. Fear is rampant at work and it takes courage to face fear and move. And I said, you know what? I didn't expect to use my life purpose statement as the name of my company, but it's a perfect match because that's why I'm doing this. So Oasis of Courage is my life purpose statement embodied in my work as an entrepreneur. Oh, man, you and I are like, you're touching my, touching deep, deep inside. And so obviously my company's name is AV2L. Legally, it's, it's AV2L Consulting, um, which owns Add Value to Life Coaching. But AV2L stands for add value to life, and it's based on Paul's statement to encourage one another and build each other up. And so yes. you you and I, uh, the, the power of encouragement, the power of a smile, the power of, of our responsibility to take care of each other, right? And, and for me, it just it touches at the core of what a human being is, is was put on earth to do. And, mm -hmm. and so many of us are so distracted and so... Uh, so misguided in narcissism and selfishness and, and, and all these things that are well, and, and all these things that are fear driven. Yeah. And, and so understanding how much fear is driving people's decisions, how much fear is driving, you know, the world's decisions. And, and over these last two years, we've seen it just amplified 10, totally. 20 fold totally. um, fear driven politics and fear driven media and, and, and the people that are getting caught up and absorbed in that, and it's amplifying hate. And, and, mm -hmm. and we're, seeing, we're seeing the consequences of that within our own culture. And, and for me, I'm, I mean, I'm heartbroken on one side. And then I'm, on the other side, I'm saying, I got I to gotta do something about this, right? I got I to gotta make a difference. I've got a voice. I've got, I've got this, this um, stage, this platform. And, and a piece of me, of course, I'm in business to make money. I'm, I'm in business to help people and serve people. But on the other hand, I'm also in, in business to, to make a difference and make an impact. And, and so eradicating fear in, 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 the, 
effort to eradicate hate is is a part of the message that I want I want to keep putting out there. I think the relationship you described, Robert, is really accurate. It aligns with what I believe as well. That most people, at least when I was young, maybe not everybody agrees with this, but we kind of get taught that the opposite of love is hate. Hmm. But I don't see it that way. I, I think the opposite of love is fear. You know, and the, the scriptures say that perfect love casts out fear. And and hate is a manifestation of fear. Right? It's one of the thousand faces that fear Absolutely. shows up as. And so I think it's really true what you just described, that love is the force that allows us to, to, to move through the fear that's there all around us. And if we really are painting the picture of these two extremes, I think love anchors the positive end and fear is what anchors on the negative end. And then everything else is just, you know, how those two things show up. And uh, courage is the catalyst for love with a direction. It's love aimed at a specific thing. And, you know, that's we say courage is what allows us to face fear and do it anyway. Yeah, but also love is the force, right? It's the thing underneath. So I think that's beautiful, man. I love it. Woo. Well, I just love what you, you know, adding courage in there to to basically say courage. Courage is facing, you know, being afraid and facing it anyway. But love is the love is the motivator. Love is the driver. That's yeah. that's pretty powerful. So so one of your one of your sayings, one of your. Uh, uh, it's on a T-shirt, right? One of your one of your T-shirts, one of your motto slogan. I don't know. Yeah. Crush, yeah. Crush comfort, create courage. Yeah, I call it the C4 life. You know, the, the work that I do with my clients, we call lifestyle engineering. You know, I, I work with some of the smartest people on the planet. They're great at mechanical engineering and software engineering, but sometimes their lives are not what they want. And I relate to that in my own journey. And so we work on lifestyle engineering. And one of the key parts of that lifestyle is having a C4 life to crush comfort and create courage. And you could also, you know, we talked about fighter jets earlier, use the metaphor of C4 as an explosive, right? It's like, it just creates this this impact when you have C4 and you ignite it, you know, it's an explosion. And to crush comfort in your life can be that catalyst moment, that impact moment. So for me, the reason this is a heartbeat and a drumbeat of OECO and the coaching work that we do and the training work that we do with engineering leaders is because the comfort zone, the pursuit of safety, security, and certainty, it is nobody's fault that it's so addicting, but it's addicting, right? Your well, nervous system, your subconscious is wired for survival, not success. I know you believe this. You shared it on my podcast when you were on my show, the same, same tr truth around these automatic systems and, and engineers and professionals everywhere, but especially what I know from the work we do with engineering leaders, man, we'd love that comfort zone. We, we just really like to stay in that place. Well, there's, there is a tendency, I, I, and, and obviously this is a huge generalization, so you correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there's a tendency for engineers to be a little like the IT guys. They, they, they're, they're introverts. They're, they're, you know, on a typical scale, right? They're, they're content sitting at the desk, designing something, creating something, uh, you know, tinkering with the, with the details and, and, and getting all the, all the pieces, right. They'd be content eight hours behind their computer screen doing, you know, if I don't have to talk to another human being today, then it's a beautiful day. <laughs> um, and, and I think, I think the comfort zone and, and, and the idea of human relationship, um, and, and especially over these last two years, right? We've we've been isolated. We've been, and for many, they thought, "Oh, this isolation, this is perfect. This is my dream life, right? I don't have to deal with any people anymore." But the reality is, on the surface, we need each other. We we need connection, and we need, and and so, even though our piece of us is saying, "Oh, I really like this. This is fun," there's another piece of us that's dying because we're not having these human interactions. And, and I think human interaction challenges us. I think human interaction makes us better. Yeah. And, and of course, relationships are where everything in business happens. Yeah, I, of course, painting with a broad brush, but you're right, the stereotypical engineering personality falls into that category. But I'll also say, you know, maybe an engineering 
director or vice president is listening to this and you know refutes that statement. And, and here's the thing: even if you are a people leading engineer, you know you're a manager, director, you have a big team under you, and and you don't feel like you fall into that category of being behind the computer eight hours a day. The thing that is true for engineers that a lot of times gets kind of tucked away in the blind spot as leaders is that we spend so much time and we get trained like all through college, all through our early career development, how to avoid and mitigate risk. I mean, we do things like failure mode and effect analysis, like figure out everything that can go wrong and invest all of our energy in making sure those things don't happen. The entire occupation of engineering is to make sure that the bridge never fails, that everybody stays safe. Like the top attribute of product design is safety. You know, the car has to be safe above all else. And so that is a great thing when you're designing a vehicle. Or you know, in my case, I was designing appliances. Like you don't want your washing machine to kill you. Like that's a really bad thing, uh, or cut you. Right, a even great, smaller. Great cartoon, but not necessarily. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like you don't want these things exploding in your house and catching on fire. So it's a really important part of being a great engineer. But that circuit that you flex, that muscle that you're flexing all day long, every day, it starts to affect the way you approach all of life. And you're, and you're risk averse all the time. time. You're trying to create these safe boxes and cages for everything in your life and control all the outcomes. And that does not lead to happiness. Okay, it really doesn't. Well, that, I mean, that's really eye-opening, right? Because to create a system that avoids failure, create a system that, you know, that focuses on safety. Um, I'm a huge micro fan and, and micro has, has a big talk and obviously he's done a ton of dirty jobs. He's done a ton of, you know, trades and, and he's out there practicing, you know, construction work and all of those places. And, and he's really harping on this idea of companies promoting safety first. And, and he basically like, well, it's not true because if safety were first, we wouldn't go up on a crane. You know, if exactly. safety were first, we wouldn't drive a car. You know, but but yet they they promote this as safe. and so his his talk that that's really popular is safety third, because it, it really is about the the final product right. Creating the product is more important than than safety. We have to do it safely, but but it's going to trump safety, right? They yeah. catch they catch fish and crabs on the Bering Sea, and it's an incredibly unsafe job. But catching fish is more important, so the product is more important than safety, and of course, the money that the product produces is more important than safety. And so, so he says safety's third, <laughs> and and That's he just good. wants people to be honest about it. Let's you know, let's be honest because if safety's first, we quit doing everything. We don't leave the house. We don't we don't get in a car. We don't walk on the sidewalk because all those things have risks. Exactly. So I love that you talk about the risk averse, and and of course, the risk averse plays right into that survival which plays right into that comfort zone and says, wait, let's just sit here and be safe. Yeah. <laughs> let's not take any risks. Let's not jump into entrepreneurship because that's that's like a whole totally. world of risk and failure. Totally. Well, and so yeah, you take that into the entrepreneurial world, Robert, and it doesn't work. If you want to be successful at the next level, you have to be willing to risk everything at this level. You know, to become a new person, you have to be willing to die to the old self. Ooh. And and that is a risky thing. It's a scary thing. It, it really is uncomfortable, even for people who've done it before. Because here's the thing, like for, for that entrepreneur listening right now, here's what I want you to know. Regardless of how you compare to where I'm at or where Robert's at or where your neighbor is at or where you know Elon Musk is at, every entrepreneur has this in common, that your next level is going to feel uncomfortable no matter which level you're at right now. We all are facing that next big, gnarly, challenging thing. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah, it's just more zeros or whatever, but, but no, like I'm facing fear right now in scaling up my business. You might be facing fear in just starting your business, but we're both facing fear and it's it, like, we both need courage. So like, we all are in this together. It doesn't matter how many zeros are on your bottom line yet like the next step is going to be uncomfortable. And that's why the C4 life to me is so important. 
Well, and 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 it it's so crazy how much our culture amplifies fear. And I think a big part of my coaching, obviously a big part of your coaching is really digging into fear and helping people recognize that your brain is exaggerating. Your brain takes that fear and, and so takes much. that little risk averse, takes that little thing that says, you know, wait, we, if we do this, we're, we're going to die. If we do this, that washing machine, it's going to eat us. If we do this, that lion outside the door is going to just chew us up. Not to mention our wife, like our spouse is going to be so angry if we if we if we walk on stage and we fail and embarrass them. And I mean, there's just so many things that these fears, yeah. right? The voice in our head tells us a story that that is never true. Right. It's so so the majority 100%. of our fears are, are never, never really true. And the challenge for so many is the awareness that the, the voice isn't true. The awareness that the voice isn't really you. And I think that's really hard for people, right? This voice in my head sounds like me. It's talking to me. It's telling me these stories, mm -hmm. but it's telling me stories to stop me from taking that risk. How Probably. do you, how do you help people change that story? How do you help people uh, have awareness that, that, that the voice isn't theirs and then have awareness that, that they get to tell that voice what to do. I think the word that you just said, awareness, is where it begins. And so, you know, a lot of my clients, you know, if somebody's listening to this podcast, you're probably you know, wired for personal development and growth. And you're, you know, you're asking these questions before, and you've heard Robert talk about beliefs and limiting beliefs before, and you may feel like old news. A lot of my engineering leaders I work with, Robert, have never had that conversation before. And so truly, I believe in order to change our mindset and to create a transformation at the level of our being, we need first to become aware of the thoughts that we're having now and just actually start practicing, noticing them and getting curious about their truth or lack thereof. And so a lot of times the first few exercises we'll do is say, okay, bring, bring one of your biggest goals into your mind. Like, let's just think about your biggest goal in your career right now. You know, I work with mostly career professionals, probably 85% are W2 you know, employees, 15% are entrepreneurs or, or owners of their own engineering business. And we just say, let's take that big goal, bring it into your mind. I want you to think about it. Just let it be there. Look at it, stare at it, visualize it. Okay, now let's get curious. Tell me what kind of thoughts are popping into your mind. Just verbalize them. Let's put some words to what you're thinking, positive and negative. You know, okay, and then what tends to happen is we, we drift towards those negative statements and say, well, what else do you feel afraid of here? What, what other negative thoughts are popping into your mind? What's that deepest, darkest secret that you're not saying around this thing? We just start getting curious. And next thing you know, they've got five, six, 10, 20 statements like, I'm not sure if I can do this. I don't know if I have what it takes. What if this is totally outside my control? What if I'm not smart enough to do this? What if my you know, and, and all these negative what ifs start popping in. Okay. And the awareness of this is often eye opening just by itself. And now we can go ask like, okay, hold on. You're not smart enough to do this. Is that true? <laughs> like you have a PhD in electrical engineering. You're one of the smartest people on the planet. Is it really true? A hundred percent true that you don't know what it's going to take like that. You're not smart enough. And then they'll say, oh, well, Maybe I'm just missing this one thing, this one area. Like, I don't know that exact thing. Okay, cool. So what you really mean is you're absolutely smart enough, but you've got a couple things to learn. Yeah, okay, well, that sounds, oh, okay, cool. So that's not so scary, is it? Like, you're good at learning. You've learned a lot of things. You can probably learn something else. Well, yeah, that's actually, you know. So sometimes, Robert, it's really that simple at the beginning, just to begin with awareness. The process of then letting go of lies and buying into the truth is one that takes a little bit more coaching, a little more work. And I do call it mindset work. And I'm very direct with all my clients. Hey, this is not a light switch. This is not a one session and everything is going to be changed for you. You know, if you want to go do hypnosis or you want to go do some of these things that, you know, may help you make radical shifts. Cool. Like that's all I'm all in for that. But I also want you to understand how you can begin to be in the driver's seat 
of, of renewing and transforming your own mind and not be dependent on these, these other things. A lot of people get hooked on, you know, coaching, et cetera. And I am a coach and I'd love to help people do it. But part of lifestyle engineering is that you become aware that you have been given this powerful consciousness that you can use to make your own decisions and literally shift and change your own beliefs. And let's learn how to use it. You know, the operating system of your own mind is a blessing from God. Let's like, let's learn how to use it in a favorable way instead of just write that off and be a victim to how the world is programming our mind instead. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book, Dream Life Planner, Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noelle L. Peterson, available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R, to dream.com. That's empower, number two, dream.com. If you enjoy the show, please like and subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends. Welcome back. Let's get back to more greatness. Oh, working yourself out of a job, man. <laughs> well, you know, you're, now that you say that, it's kind of true, but it, uh, that's the whole point, Robert. Like as an entrepreneur for me, the, what, what Awaco exists to do is not to become your, you know, your pill that you have to take for the rest of your life. It's, it's to help you transform as a person and not need Zach anymore. So yeah, in a way, I suppose the ultimate victory of Awaco would be that there are no more engineers left on the earth that need our help. Wow. Uh, that's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a fantastic mission. All right. So curiosity, you mentioned curiosity in there a couple of times. And so how, how did you discover the power of curiosity and, and help apply it to, other people's lives and, and of course in your own. You know, if you imagine the typical engineer, you know, most of them have a very natural curiosity about the way things work and systems and, and just a hunger for knowledge. And I had that from day one, you know, from being as little as I can remember, I've always been curious. So for me personally, it was really easy to live in a state of curiosity, but the, the shift was just realizing how powerful curiosity was outside the domain of products and mechanical systems and engineering. You know, to, to pull that curiosity into introspection and learning about myself, into relationships, social and emotional intelligence, and realizing that curiosity, it's one of those states that I believe it's easy to practice and it's easy to use to diffuse almost any other negative energy or emotion that may come in. I love the statement, you know, if, if you're rather than be furious, you know, if furious, get curious. Mm -hmm. And it's like the whole idea of, you know, why, why am I feeling this angry or why am I depressed? Or like, I just want to get curious about this situation. Somebody wronged me and I'm angry at them. Well, what if instead of being angry, I just stop for a moment and get curious? Like, I wonder what's going on in their life. I wonder if there's something happening that I'm not seeing that could be causing this. I wonder if I'm part of the reason that they treated me this way. Like, where was I complicit in creating this outcome? So, so curiosity for me, it was a natural part of my DNA. But when I realized how powerful it was in all these different contexts, I, I kind of got addicted to it. It's like, oh man, I just love being in that curious place because it unlocks so much possibility for life. When you, you take, you know, you mentioned the, the fear and the, we use what if in a negative way so easily. What if everything goes wrong? Well, what if you got curious about what could go right? You know, what if something awesome happens? What if this is a great situation for me? And so, yeah, I think it's an incredibly powerful practice and you can use it to reground yourself and create possibility in any situation. So mm -hmm. if you're not a naturally curious person, just practice. I mean, it's a muscle. Start doing it intentionally. Do it right now. Get curious about Robert and I's conversation. You know, like, yeah, curiosity is huge, man. Well, and... And the really cool thing, and I think for people that have never experienced it, is your brain loves oh, questions. Yeah. And and so when you ask your brain a question, it wants to answer it. And so when you ask your brain, why am I angry? Why is this bothering me? Guess what? Your brain's going to tell you. And you'd be like, huh? 
really? But even better, the, those other, you took it to the next level with, you know, what if, what if you turn the negative around and look at the what if positive? And, and guess what your brain's going to do? It's going to say, ooh, I like that, right? What if it's easy? What if I can do it? Yes, exactly. And, and your brain wants to honor that. What if I can do it? Huh. What if I can? And, and it obviously we get into these conversations and a lot of people listening and a lot of people we've had conversations about, you know, all this positive thinking is just woo woo. You know, it's just it's it's all fluff. And and yet the more that I've been involved and the more that I've worked with people, the more that I've seen how powerful it really is. It's it's so powerful and so many people blow it off, right? The idea. So for me, I choose joy. I, yeah. I wake up joyful. I wake up happy. I choose to, to focus on what I've got, not what I'm missing. And, and it makes, it makes a huge difference in how I start my day. It makes a huge difference in how I interact with my wife and, and, and my, you know, my employees and, and of course, how I interact with my clients. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the questions that I was asked a long, long time ago, and, and it, and it really hit me is, well, if you get to choose, well, and we even had the conversation on, on your show, I think, right? Because we were talking faith, we were talking about God. And for people that don't believe in God, it, it, it's fine. You don't, you don't need to have the same faith belief that I have. But if you get the choice between choosing, you know, have a great day and, and be joyful or, you know, have a negative day and be grumpy, why wouldn't you choose joy? Amen. So if that's an option, why why not choose joy? And and yeah. and I think for so many, it it they can't get past the woo woo. You know, I, I am an engineer, a scientist, a technologist at heart. And here's what I'll say: if anybody, you know, if you're listening and and you're in the positive thinking is woo woo camp, I challenge you that you have not experienced it or studied it to the level that you need to, because it is not. It is absolute rock solid science in your physiology, in your nervous system. Positive thinking precedes positive emotion. Positive emotion precedes positive action. How your genes respond in upregulating the types of behaviors and, and literal shifts in your body are impacted by the way you think. And the late great Zig Ziglar said it best, I think, Robert, Positive thinking does not mean everything will go your way all the mm -hmm. time, but positive thinking will always get you a better result than negative thinking will. So why not practice it, right? And yeah, th there's incredible research. If you want to study it, go look at the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm. I mean, this guy is crushing it with real, unbelievable, indisputable data that the way you use your mind, the conscious thought, drives meaningful change in your biology that then drives meaningful outcomes in the quality and results of your life. So, you know, if you're, if you're in the woo woo camp, it's because you're either unwilling to do the work to go experience it for yourself, or you just haven't had time yet. Go do your homework. It is not woo woo mumbo jumbo out of, you know, just the spiritual life. Like you so, are. So let's dig, let's dig into that a little bit more. Cause I love the engineer side. I, I love the science side. And, and I love Joe Dispenza's work. And our culture is experiencing an overwhelming mental health crisis and, and an overwhelming state of fear. And, and I think we talked earlier about the brain you know, is designed to survive. And so in survival mode, the, the way the brain faces anxiety and stress and these negative things is it dumps cortisol and adrenaline into your body in response to a fight or flight moment. So that cortisol and adrenaline is designed for us to run away. It's designed for us to escape yeah. or to fight back, right? So it's it's a dump of power juice that's that's designed to help the body escape or defend itself. And of course, most people aren't escaping. They aren't defending themselves. And right, so now their right. body and all the muscles and all of the, the, the tissues have to absorb this cortisol and this adrenaline without a physical out outlay. Now, 
men can process that that chemical dump in about eight or nine hours and clear their body of the, the negative impact of cortisol and adrenaline. Women, it takes about 24 hours. And I think the challenge for so many people is that within that 24 hour period, they get another dump of yeah, they're hitting that button again. And they're hitting again that button again. again because their brain is saying, ooh, we're in fight and flight again. Ooh, we're in fight and flight again. And so we have so many people that are living in this cycle of cortisol and adrenaline in their body. And they're never getting these positive chemicals that are designed, dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins that are designed yes. to do what? To make us feel normal, to make us feel happy, to make us feel right right <laughs> when we get those chemicals we feel right you you just you you do they're designed to make you feel right and and i think our body's designed to experience those the majority of the time that that's what we are created for and i think people are experiencing this opposite and their bodies are stuck in stress and anxiety and fight yes. and flight and and of course that that chemical impact on your physiology is I mean, I think it's dangerous, obviously, but it's also, it just continues to take people down that path of, of sadness and grief and, and negativity and fear. And it, and so now the body's chemically amplifying the fear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's a perfect example. I agree with everything you said. And it's only one of the negative loops that exists in the mind-body relationship that we're talking about. You know, there's there's even more to the story than just, you know, the challenging effects of of, of adrenaline and, and cortisol. But, you know, you take that, we have the mind side of this equation that we're not using well or as intended. And then you amplify that with the fact that we're also not taking care of our bodies. We're not eating well, we're not sleeping well, we're not, you know, exercising and, and stretching and, managing the physical systems and and so you combine the two and it really is a, a cocktail for disaster for you know no wonder that depression and suicide and mental health and all these you know diseases because you know your body can either be at ease or disease right and we're seeing it with chronic disease you know people are are in these places and a lot of it is tough to diagnose it's like well there's what is wrong well yeah, it's not that there's a particular germ in your body causing these things. It's this downward spiral. And so, yeah, I don't want to you know, create a pit of despair out of this, but it really does matter that we begin to recognize the mind-body connection is inextricably linked and that when we use our mind in a negative way and we treat our body in a negative way, this incredibly powerful system that can create immeasurably joyful, happy, fulfilling outcomes in your life isn't capable of doing that. And the vast majority of that is within your control. You just don't want to believe that because it's a whole lot easier to say, yeah, but the world this and yeah, but. Well, and even worse, even worse, it's easier to go to a doctor and say, doc, I need a pill to make me feel better. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm going to encourage you if, if you're taking pills and you're on anti, you know, psychotic meds and all those things don't stop don't change you know i'm not a medical expert by any means yeah, big disclaimer no, but, not medical advice today absolutely but the mind body <laughs> connection is so valuable that if you're feeling funky and you're feeling wrong ask your body what's going on ask yourself what what is not you know what am i not satisfying <laughs> in this mind body connection that's causing me to feel this way because i think those feelings are designed to tell you something's wrong yeah. And and yeah. we have so much more power over that than than most people are willing to lean into and take responsibility for. Yes. You know, so we bring this back to entrepreneurship. You know, it's like, hey, I thought we were here to add value to entrepreneurs today. Well, guess what? You know, the strategies and the tactics and the actions that you take in your business, yes, there's things to learn and some of those things are very hard, etc. But what I see again and again with the entrepreneurs that I coach and with the entrepreneurs that I'm in community with as I'm on this journey myself, it's rarely those things that create the biggest problems. You know, it is almost always that they're, they're exhausted. They have no energy. Well, why? Well, because they're working 14 hour days and they're not eating well, they're not sleeping, they're not taking care of their bodies, so the system is crashing. It's like, okay. Or it's because they're constantly in this death spiral of negative thinking and they can't, 
think a positive thought for the life of them. And it makes it really hard to go make a sale when all you can think is, what if they reject me? What if they don't like my product? What if this continues to go, oh, I'm going to run out of money. This is never going to work. Who wants to buy from that guy? Like, <laughs> Who wants to talk to that girl about her service? Nobody. And so that's what I see. This conversation is so relevant because these systems that you can control and you can keep healthy, it is a huge you know, wind in your sales force for success as an entrepreneur, if you take care of those things. Oh, so let's talk about that idea of success without burnout. And, and I know, I mean, that's your driving force is to 100%. help engineers experience success without burnout. My role is, is to help entrepreneurs experience success without burnout and, and, and live a life of joy, right? If, if your life's not bringing you joy, if, if the job you have is unfulfilling, if you know, the greatest thing about where we live, and, and, and I think the world has this possibility, although there are some countries where businesses get taken and, and things happen, but the majority of the world has the option. You know, when I grew up, there was, when you rode the bus, there's this little cord next to the window and you could pull on that cord and the bus would stop at the next stop and you can get off. And so I tell people all the time, if you're not satisfied, if you're not happy and you're pull living in a cycle of despair, pull the cord and get off the bus because you have other options. And, yes. and the majority of entrepreneurs have figured out that, you know what, I've got other options. And, and the great thing about entrepreneurship is there is room to experiment and you can try something and, and at some point you'll probably goof it up and lose it all. But once you've, once you've done it, then you know, I can do it again, right? If I can get over the depression from losing it all, <laughs> I can do it again. And, and that's what's so great about entrepreneurship and, and this journey. And, and now I think there's this rising tide of awareness of possibility, right? There's teachers quitting their jobs, you know, tenfold compared to the past because teachers are recognizing we can be great entrepreneurs and we can be rewarded and we can feel good about what we're doing and what we're teaching and still be teaching. And, and so there's a shift in the, in the marketplace. And I, I hope the shift has to transform schools. Tra schools need a transformation. And until something super painful and super, you know, challenging happens, they're going to keep running the system the way they've been running it for a hundred mm -hmm. years. Well, those of us that are in this entrepreneurial space know it's, it's not working. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, it's making good engineers. It's making good doctors and it's making good lawyers. There's some, there's some things that the education system is making, but for the majority of people, they're not teaching about money. They're not teaching about this freedom that your mind, how to use your mind to, to be more creative and to, to have bigger impact in the world. And, and, and I think there's room for, obviously there's room for improvement and yeah. government systems don't improve themselves without a whole lot of pain. <laughs> I'll resist the urge to rant uh, too much about education Sorry. systems, but you know, and in full, full honesty, I don't have the solution, but I agree with a lot of what you said, but First thing, you know, success without burnout for entrepreneurs and engineers, it's the same principles. It's just the contexts and the specifics in your world that may look different. But I think what's important first is to understand when we say burnout, you know, what exactly does that mean and look like? And I want to expand your thinking about burnout because it doesn't only look one way. Mm. Yeah, so just as an example, one of my engineering clients, you know, comes in to our first conversation and tells me I've been working 70 to 90 hours a week. I'm still being told that it's not enough. My oh, marriage oh. is crumbling. My wife wants to get divorced because I'm never home and this isn't working for her. And I don't know if I can, you know, get out of bed and keep doing this another day, another week, you know, like, like I'm done. That's burnout. But I've also had clients come in, to our first conversation and say, well, you know, I'm making 180 grand a year. I've got a great job and a great boss. Uh, you know, nobody's really treating me poorly at work. And you know, I'm married, got the house in the suburbs. I got two kids, everybody's healthy and happy. But I just have no interest in this work at all. It, it, there's no meaning, there's no like passion for me. I'm bored out of my mind. Talk about stuck. And, and I don't know what to do and I can't find something better. I don't even know what I want to do. I just feel trapped in this rat race of doing the same thing every day. And it's so good, I don't wanna mess it up. And if I do get a new job and that doesn't work and I'm 
just scared of ruining a good thing. And it, it just sucks. Like I feel trapped in a golden cage and they're burned out of a life that's good. And so I just want people to recognize that, you know, what burnout is for you may look really different than some of the, you know, dramatized Hollywood kind of burnout moments. Not everybody is burning the candle on both ends and hates their life. It could actually be that you have a good life and you're totally burned out of that. Hmm. And so you take that into account, okay, success without burnout. Well, what does that look like? Or how do we, how do we have that? Right? The most important thing, if I just give you one key to walk away with, that'll change your life around success without burnout. Burnout is not caused by what you're doing. Burnout is caused by what you're not doing. Okay, take the first example, you know, working 80 hours a week, all these challenges. Well, it's not working 80 hours a week that'll burn you out. Robert, you know, we're talking to entrepreneurs today. I know a lot of entrepreneurs who put in 80 hour weeks. I've put in 80 hour weeks. And guess what? Some of those 80 hour weeks were the most fun, engaging, thrilling. Like I was ignited with passion. I loved the feeling of progress and the challenge and, and it was awesome. Now I don't want to do it every week because I have other things I care about, but working 80 hours didn't burn me out. Okay. And there was a stretch there probably for three or four months where I was working 60, 78 hours every single week, getting the business off the ground. And I loved it. <laughs> you know, and my wife was supporting me. We were communicating. We were on the same page. I had a community and a team and a, it was great. No burnout. You know, and on the other side, this person who's got a great situation, you could say, well, what are they doing? Well, okay, it's what's missing. Let me give you examples of what's missing. You're not sleeping. You're not exercising. You're not eating well. You're not doing work that has meaning to you. You're not connected to your purpose. You're not communicating with the people that you love. You're not in relationship at all. You're isolating yourself. You're you're avoiding your friends and family because you're embarrassed or you're afraid. You're you're leaving out all the things in your life that matter to keep you healthy and balanced, the things that you value. You're a whole person and you've fallen into a pattern of leaving out the things that keep you healthy and whole. Your faith, your family, your values. So, so anytime somebody's burned out, we wanna look at everything that you're doing all week that's causing it. And I would just say, flip that script 180. Forget about what you're doing. And let's go get curious, back to curiosity, about what is missing from your life that needs to be there to stay in that place of passion, to stay in that place of energy and vitality and health, to stay connected to the people you love and the impact you wanna make. Because if we simply start saying, all right, that is my number one priority. I don't care about anything else. I want you to do you know, these two things that you've been skipping that matter for your fulfillment. And we do those, and guess what? Everything else falls into place, right? Like that 80 hour week becomes a 74 hour week and you're still okay, like life's okay, right? I did six hours of stuff for myself and you feel that little boost, that little, like, it's kind of like, Robert, if you ever played a really terrible round of golf and you're just, it's <laughs> like- much every one you, of them. Okay, yeah, like you, every shot sucks, you're slicing, you're dividing, you're chipping, but then you have that one shot where you actually connect with the ball and it really is good. And you're like, oh, okay, I actually do like playing golf. I, I wanna keep playing. It's kind of like that moment. You know, you have that one good shot during your week and you're like, oh, okay, I can do this. And then you make the next change and the next change and the next change and you can recover. Everybody wants to recover from burnout by going on vacation. <laughs> but Robert, you cannot vacate your life, <laughs> okay? You are in your life when you get back from vacation. So you will not solve burnout by going on vacation. No, you, you just must... kick the can down the road. Exactly, exactly. You just delay the ultimate rock bottom that you're gonna hit. And so those would be my, my key thoughts for entrepreneurs listening is if you feel like you're trending towards burnout or you're there, the first question is, what is it that I've stopped doing that I must do to stay healthy and balanced in my life and just pick the easiest, lowest hanging fruit on that list and start doing it immediately. 
All right, I'm gonna next, I'm gonna next. I'm gonna pull back my bus statement because I I did make the statement about pull the cord, get off the bus. But like for that guy that was living the golden life and feels like he's stuck in a golden cage, a, a bunch of that's you know what's the story you're telling yourself, right? And so so how do you realign your purpose and your values to the story you're telling yourself? Right. Because there are elements of his life that he really, really loves because he wants to hold on to those. And yeah. so so what what is it that's lost that spark for the, you know, in the job? And, and and sometimes we lose our we lose our way. Right. Because we're out of alignment with our purpose and, and our values. And yet we're doing exactly what our purpose and values led us to in the first place. Yeah. And so we just need to be reminded that, wait, you're, you've stopped telling yourself the story about why you're doing what you're doing and and you've stopped encouraging yourself to keep doing what you're doing because it's gotten you what you wanted. And, 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 and that requires that evaluation, right? That it requires, you know, is, is this out of alignment? Why is it out of alignment? And and sometimes the out of alignment means, yeah, I got to pull the cord and I got to jump, but sometimes it's out of alignment because I've started telling myself I've gotten into that comfort zone and I started telling myself a different story. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, you connect that to this model of okay, what's he not doing? That that individual, he's not being grateful for the amazing things mm. he already has. He's not leaning into his purpose and understand like, hey, this is he's not thinking the thoughts that are true. He's fallen into these other stories and patterns. So yeah, I think that's a perfect example. It's not always that everything in your world has to change to recover. It could be what's happening in the stories you're telling. You've started telling lies instead of telling yourself the truth or falling so into good. those patterns. Like, yeah. So, so sometimes the recovery from burnout is nothing more than telling a new story. Absolutely. It, oh, it, you, know, you mentioned gratitude, anything. Zach. I want, I want to dig into the power of gratitude in, in, in your life, the power of gratitude in, in making some of these, these mindset shifts. Gratitude is talked about a lot. And, and I, I hate the fact that it's becoming cliche because what you said is so true. Like there gratitude and love must be brother, sister, or cousins, you know, like because it's to me, gratitude is one of those outflows of the emotion of love mm-hmm. into the world around you. And it, we could say a lot of things, but here I'll say two two pieces about gratitude. Number one, gratitude is a practice. Gratitude is a practice. It's not just an emotion. It's something that you show up and practice. And so this morning, my wife and I got up early. We went to the beach just a mile from where we live, and we walked for an hour and a half up and down the beach in what we call a rampage of gratitude, a rampage of appreciation. And all we did for an hour and a half was just volley back and forth. Man, I'm so grateful for this. I'm so thankful for that. I'm just loving this. I appreciate that. And we might pull it from our surroundings. You know, a lot of the things where I just, I love and appreciate how beautiful this water is on Lake Michigan. You know, I love the blue skies and clouds. And then it's our relationship, our businesses, our families. It's a practice. You know, we set aside time for the intention of going and practicing being grateful. And I'm having an amazing day. And it's in no small part to the fact that I started it that way. The second thing about gratitude that I think is important is to recognize that no other negative emotion can coexist with gratitude. Try to be pissed off and grateful at the same time. (laughs) Try to be depressed and truly grateful, like authentically full of gratitude at the same time. Not faking it, not like, oh, I'm grateful for the fact that I'm not homeless. Like, no, I mean, feel into it. I dare you to like truly experience full authentic gratitude and any negative emotion at the same time. You can't do it. Your body will not allow you to experience those two things because they're at completely different forms of energy and vibration in your body. And so emotion being energy in motion, you cannot emote in those two ways at the same time. So why do I think it's so important? It's because if I get into that energy and that emotion, it sets me on a course to operate from that positive place all day long and those negative energies just don't have a chance. I mean, I really, they, they can't touch me when I'm in that place of gratitude. And I, I love that. So powerful. All right. Love that you shared that, that, that practice with your wife and, and that you guys do that together. So I, I want to ask, what's your most memorable date? 
Okay. Most memorable date. So my wife, when we first met, told me stories about her childhood years in 4-H. She was a 4-H'er, grew up in a, a town, Goshen, Indiana, which, uh, you know, is a Amish community and kind of rural community there and a lot of cool things. But she was a horse lover and did 4-H and showed horses. And one of the things that she told me about was that there was this relay race they would always do at 4-H where you'd, you know, ride your horse down, jump off your horse. And you had to put on these, you know, big uh, overalls and a jacket and some funny clothes and boots and then uh, run your horse back to the other end. And it was like a relay thing. And I think it was like a three-legged race too. You had to share a leg with somebody else. It was a really funny thing. So she told me all about this and how fun it was. So one of our dates, one of the best dates I ever pulled off with my spouse was I recreated that relay race with a bunch of funny you know, stuff from Goodwill. So I, I bought this wooden, uh, wooden stick horse, uh, which we own a horse, but uh, I was like, oh, we don't like, I want to do it with this, this wooden stick horse that I bought some goofy clothes and I invited one of our friends to come and you'll be a part of this to film it and to do three legged races with us. And we went out to the park and made complete fools of ourselves doing this three legged race uh, reenactment from her childhood 4-H days. And uh, instead of boots, I bought these big giant heels, like these uh, patent leather heels and so you can imagine me like slipping into overalls putting on a women's high heel shoe with my wife in the other leg like three-legged running down the park grass with this wooden horse in between us it was pretty priceless nice so that's that's one of my best date experiences she really and you still have shocked. a video somewhere yeah it's, <laughs> it's on an old phone and i know it's out there uh, i probably secretly hope that it's gone so that it can't ever be used against me in a in a now that, now that situation. I have a following. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was a really fun time nice zach what do you love to do with your free time with your kids what do i love to do in my free time well i my wife and i don't have children so just to be clear i don't have kids but I, we do have a horse and well, that's, so that's, a, that's a big that is, kid. It is just like a kid in the sense that it's very expensive and, and very demanding of time and energy. <laughs> the difference is they can poop wherever they want and um, you can leave them at the barn when you're done. So that's a different story. But no, we love to ride. And, and honestly, Robert, I think the thing that is true about us, and I give my wife, I mean, my wife, Johanna, she is truly one of the most incredible women on the planet. To me, she's the most incredible, but I won't argue with other people's decision on that. But uh, she loves to love life. Mm. And so what we love to do together is just take time to go love life. You know, if we're gonna ride our motorcycles, like let's just ride and enjoy it and be passionate about that. If we're gonna go ride the horse, Go do that. We we love to do acrobatic yoga together, acro yoga. If anybody's ever heard of that, really fun couples, um, you know, yoga practice where you you know hold the woman up in the air and and we reverse roll. Sometimes she holds me up in the air. She's very strong, uh, but just finding places that we can go and get passionate, really enjoy living. And it almost doesn't matter what it is. We've got a lot of hobbies and a lot of things we like to do. But the thread that connects it all is we just want to experience passion and adventure. And, um, you know, whether it's in your backyard or around the world, that's what we like to do. Zach, I love that. All right, Zach, what's, uh, what's your big dream? At Oweco, it's to help 5,000 engineering leaders come fully alive by 2025. And that's the vision. That's the thing we're aiming for right now as a business and learning how to really shift and impact in a transformational way the lives of these engineering leaders from IC to VP, which if you're not a, a career professional, it's individual contributor to vice president, you know. But but for me personally, you know, that's the business vision. For me personally, Robert, the thing that matters most is that I live every day in the beautiful dance between loving what is and being fully content with how blessed I am right now in this moment, just you and me talking, and the idea that God's given me a potential to make an impact in the world that is a thousand times what I've made so far, and I'm gonna do everything I can to live into that and enjoy the ride. So, you know, there's a whole 
another podcast about what all's included in that vision. But for me, it's it's the hardest thing and the funnest thing to practice that presence of both. You know, I want to have both. So, well, that's all it, right. I haven't had any repeat guests, Zach, but right now I think we just scheduled the next podcast. I I think I do want to dig into that faith conversation a little deeper. And I want to dig into, into this, this, you know, purpose for serving and and purpose for impacting the world, not, Hmm. not for ourselves, but for, for our creator. Amen. Yeah. You know, people who know me know I'm a man of faith. I love Jesus. I love his word and I'm, I'm, just honored by that. And like you said earlier, you know, if anybody listening is like, oh, that's not for me, that's okay. You know, it's not our place to tell you what to believe, but I will say everything I've experienced that's good in my life was a gift from above. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And the power to succeed in entrepreneurship for me is fueled straight from the source. And that is Jesus, not Zach White. Oh, Zach, thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time today. And just, man, thanks for your authenticity and love and and just your passion for what you're doing. Thank you, Robert. What a pleasure to be here. And your show, your work, and add value to entrepreneurs and to life is tremendous. Can't thank you enough for letting me be a part of it. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. ADDValueMindset.com In our next episode, Gay and Katie Hendricks teach a masterclass in relationships and working together. We talk about changing blame to wonder in your relationships, how to embrace feelings, experience them, and allow them to flow through you. They also share how to help you find your zone of genius and to nurture and grow it to be your life's purpose and passion.